verse 21 of Ephesians 5. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as they love their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. And I am saying that it reflects and refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. I want to thank Pastor Mercer for uh, the summer preaching series and really all the leadership, uh, able leadership of our church, but uh, and also asking me to kind of finish this series this Sunday and next Sunday. And I also want to thank you, Pastor Mercer, for assigning me the most controversial text in Ephesians 5. But uh, those of the submission of wives to their husbands is controversial, at least in our modern culture. And, uh, and the death of husbands for their wives also can be controversial. Uh, this is, as they say in fireworks, the grand finale of Ephesians 5. This is the, the highest, clearest picture of the grace of God where all of this that you've been listening to and processing and praying over, all of this is leading to this, this beautiful picture of the grace of God and the love of God here at the end of Ephesians 5. You know, as long as there have been poets, there have been songs about the love that we hunger for the most. And that is the initiatory love that, that never stops. That is the initiatory love that never stops, irrespective of whether we are unlovely, irrespective of what's going on with us. There is that love that just keeps coming. Nothing can stop it. As the poet Diana Ross so famously said, no wind, no rain, no winter's cold can stop me, baby. Ain't no mountain high enough. Ain't no valley low enough. Ain't no river wide enough to keep me from you. Amen? Amen. Well, actually, that's a very touching song, but you know, it's really a song about how he's already walked out on her. <laughs> but she has this undying love because the human heart 
is fickle. And, and you know, the human heart's fickle every hour. And so there has to be a higher love. There has to be that real love that we hunger for. And we have to get that to be able to give it to other people. That's where real love comes from. That's what Ephesians 5, 21 through 33 is about. I think it would be helpful, probably better, to, to quote the first hymn, uh, the first verse, rather, of the hymn that we sang first, uh, The Church is One Foundation. And I thank Becky for selecting that. We did not collaborate on that. She always does a great job with that. Uh, and here it is. From heaven he came and sought her to be his holy bride. With his own blood he bought her. And for her life, he died. Now, that's the love that we hunger for. That's the initiatory love that not even death can stop. That's the love for those who believe that just keeps coming because it's not based on you. It is based on him, the work of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. It is secure. It is yours. You are made worthy by faith in his blood. He loved his church so much folks. He loved his bride so much that he died for. And that is that initiatory, consistent, absolutely ravishing love of Jesus Christ for us that never goes away. And that is what Paul says marriage is supposed to be like. Now, we know that our hearts are fickle. We know that without Christ, we have no chance at this real love. We know without the power of the Holy Spirit, the third person of God given to us, living resident in our hearts, we don't have even a chance at this kind of love. You see, this is that love that we hunger for, uh, pictured in this passage between Christ and His church. This is the highest earthly love. Now, I'd like to put this into a sentence, and I think you're going to find it interesting. And I want to go ahead and warn you now that I'm not going to handle the whole passage this week. I got way deep in this, and we're going to get to the husbands next week. I guarantee every wife in here is going to have their husband here next week to get their, to get their part of Ephesians 5. But I'd like to, to put this into a sentence that may surprise you. But I believe it's very appropriate. And, and here's the sentence. Marriage is not less than other Christian relationships. But it is more. Much more. And I say that for two reasons. One is that sometimes our marriages, because they are tense, because they are sometimes selfish and we're pitted and we're trying to, you know, get what we want and, and that's not our favorite person in the universe. Sometimes our marriages are less functionally at times than other human relationships. But God's will for our marriages is for them to be so much more. I want to start with this idea that marriage is not less than other Christian relationships with verse 21 that says, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, meaning normal Christian love is about mutual submission to one another. Whether it's with your friends, whether it's with your family, whether it's with people in the culture, whether it's within the church, this is what normal Christian relationships look like. And that's why verse 21, uh, there's a discussion about whether verse 21 goes with everything that y'all talked about before and these relationships in the church 
or whether, verse 21, mutual submission goes with marriage? And the answer is yes. That the, one of the hallmarks of a normal Christian relationship and Christian, truly Christian love is mutual submission. The verb to submit is used 23 times by the Apostle Paul. You see, we don't need to get nervous about this word submit. It's all over the New Testament. It's normative for our relationships under the grace of God. The Christian way of submitting to one another is rooted in the willingness submission of Christ to the Father and the Spirit in the Trinity. You know, you, you, if you ask, why are human beings relational? Why do we love? Where does this impulse to love come from? The answer is, it comes from a God who is personal. And, and furthermore, a God who is three in one, that before anything was ever created, God is love. And for God to be love, there has to be more than one person in the Godhead because love is sacrificial giving to another person. And we see in the Trinity this, this perfect family love. Before there was anybody ever created, God didn't create Adam because he was lonely. God created Adam so that Adam might have fellowship with him and, and subdue the earth and reflect this, this love. Um, but in the Trinity, I want you to think about this perfect Love, where there's just love and respect. There's no rivalry in the Trinity, right? There's no discord in the Trinity. There's, there's, there's eternal, perfect, beautiful, overflowing family love, as Doug Kelly, my professor, used to say in the Trinity. But isn't it true that in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Son submitted to the Father's will? Isn't that true? Does that mean that Jesus is inferior to the Father? No. That means that Jesus wanted to submit to the Father to come here to die on a cross for our salvation. That is a mark of the greatness of Jesus. In fact, in, in Philippians 2, we read that, that our attitude ought to be like Jesus, who, who was in the very form of God, did not consider equality of God with God something to be held on to, but made himself nothing and humbled himself and took upon himself the, the form of, of human flesh and became man and, and humbled himself in obedience, even to death, even to death on a cross. And therefore, God the Father also has highly exalted him, you see, and given him, Jesus, the place above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue con should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So submission, I mean, this isn't like doormat, right? This is a willing thing. This is what God has done for us. This, this is what submission looks like in our relationships because uh, if we are the people of this Christ, we must also never consider ourselves better than anyone else. Isn't that what the Bible says? If we are walking in this grace that He's given us because of His submission, His great condescension, we need to be like the condescender. We need the Holy Spirit to give us a sense that we will work with people. We will prefer others greater than ourselves. That's that inverted nature of what a life of grace looks like. A. Skevington Wood in uh, the expository commentary says this, that the enti this entire section of Ephesians that, that we've, been, we've been looking at, 
focuses on a being there for the other person relationship in place of a self-centered reduction of relationships to power, pleasure, rights, and special entitlements. You see, that's the way the world sees relationships. The world sees relationships and what am I going to get out of it? How can I have you in my life to give me what I need? How can I actualize through this marriage, through these friendships, through this church, through whatever, my work relationships, whatever, and and it just reduces relationships down to self-centered relationships around power, pleasure, rights, and special entitlements for me. But mutual submission is just the opposite. Um, no, we will, I will lift you up. I will consider you greater than me. I will work with you. I will cooperate with you, and something better will come out of it because I am a person bought by the condescension and the submission of Jesus Christ. Do you see? 23 times, Apostle Paul, submit, submit, submit. This is the way normal human relationships that are Christian is to operate. And marriage, you see, can certainly be no less than that. There must be mutual submission in marriage. Two selfish people must walk with Jesus, the condescender, and condescend and willingly submit and and reach out to the other so that there might be that love through humility. So, marriage is not less than normal human relationships. I want you to think if you're, you're kind of in a tug of war in your, your marriage right now or in any relationship, I want you to think about this because marriage actually is to be much more. Now, you and I both know, and anytime I teach on marriage, is a huge disclaimer. Uh, I'm not teaching like as the expert who lives everything just right and knows all things and will, will help you lesser mortals work on your pathetic little marriages. No, I have a, a marriage that struggles as well. And, uh, and Gina and I are sinners, and, and we are constantly uh, called upon to work on our marriage and to move toward one another just like you are. We need the gospel in our marriage just like you do. And so how is it that marriage is so much more? I'd like to address, as the text kind of breaks down into wives and and how that so much more looks and and what effect that has on the marriage, and then husbands and what that so much more looks like and the effect on the marriage, I'd like to just deal in the the balance of our time this morning with wives. I'm sorry, wives, that uh, and, and, and women and single women who want to learn about marriage, I'm sorry that I have to go first with you, but that's the order in the Scriptures. So uh, that is the way we're going to do it. Wives, married love is also mutually submissive. Verse 21, but there is a special calling to a wife to lift up her husband beyond other people, to cooperate with her husband, to bring a willingness of heart and a desire to respect and hold up her husband more than other relationships. Verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Why? Because the husband is the head of the wife, 
even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and it is, it is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. All right, the Son of God in the Trinity submits to the Father. We said this does not mean that he is inferior to the Father and to the Holy Spirit, right? And, and in that submission and in that, that service, the Father has exalted him above every name. Um, and, and a wife's willing submission to her husband also will, will cause her, if her husband is paying attention to the beauty of what he, he is, she's giving him, also um, calls her to be lifted up by her husband. Guys, what we have in a wife that is serious about God's grace and, and living out the more than other relationships, what we have is a tremendous blessing. And we're all kind of got training wheels on this thing anyway, right? We're all learning what this is about. Um, this willing submission, ladies, and this respect encourages your husband to lead. Something that you want deep in your heart is for your husband to be a leader. And that doesn't mean that all leaders have to look the same and be these alpha male type people. You know, everybody's got a different style of these. So don't think of one particular type of thing, you know, but you want your husband to be an initiator. You want your husband to be a leader. And, and, it, and it's your willingness to work with him and to lift him up and to show him respect that encourages him to be a leader that you can be proud of. And what that is is a leader who's becoming more like Jesus. And you get the benefit of that. But you're going to help him rise up to this leadership by the way God has made marriage to work in the willing submission of wives to their husbands uh, he's going to be able to lead you if you'll give him that leadership and encourage him uh, more boldly and humbly you know I, I have noticed this and I will say this too you probably notice I don't use a lot of illustrations about Gina uh, I don't use a ton of illustrations about my own children I think sometimes it's very appropriate um, but you know I, I don't want them to be just on display every week uh, before the congregation, they're actual human beings who are struggling and working through uh, what life's all about, too. Uh, they're sinners. I live with them, I know. Um, so I don't want to, ex you know, exalt people in ways that they, they shouldn't be exalted. But I, I will tell you that, um, that my wife, Gina, has taught me a lot through this and has helped me a lot through this. Um, I know this is going to surprise you, but sometimes... I just kind of blurt. And, and when I blurt, it hurts Gina. And um, this has been something, it's funny, I, I'm pretty cool under pressure out in the normal world. world, world. It's an interesting thing that I blurt more with Gina than, than you uh, because that's the place where I know most of all that, that I'm loved and accepted and that's kind of a bad reason to blurt with somebody, you know, to uh, presume upon their grace like that. But that's, that's the way it happens in marriages. And it's certainly the way that it has happened in, in my marriage. Um, 
But I've experienced something from her when I blurt (laughs) that uh, has been life-altering for me. Because it is at that moment that she would have a clear avenue to just kind of lay in wait to really be able to get at me. And that would be like a, that would just be like a, a super highway with no toll to, to, to tell me the way she really feels about me. And that would, that, would, that would put me down. Then we'd be in a really difficult situation where we've kind of both done that. But I will tell you, um, it is a shocking thing to, to sin, to blurt like that, and for your wife to hold her respect for you even though you did that. Now, I think that she needs to feel in her heart that you love her, you know, that this is not kind of what you think all the time. In fact, um, when I blurt, I'm, I, I'm, it's not sometimes even something I really mean. I'm just kind of, I mean it, I guess, because in the moment I, I feel it so deeply and it's wrong. You all understand what I'm saying? And... Um, And she does not put me down, but she continues to hold me in respect and love me. uh, And and, and it's as if she wants me to grow up into something at that moment. And what she does is she does not fire back. There's like silence. And ladies, can I just suggest that that silence, for me at least, really immediately helps me think about what I just said. And when I finally think about what I just said, which is immediate when there's silence and no firing back, uh, I begin to realize very quickly that what I said was wrong. And at some point, not too long after that, I realized that she's just being gracious and that she, as Denise Richardson used to say about child rearing, she'd say, hold a crown over their head and let them grow up into it. Well, wives, I mean, there's a real bless, your, bless their hearts kind of factor with husbands. I mean, bless their hearts. I mean, kind of hold a leader hat over us and let us grow into it. And, um, and I remember the, the first time this happened. Um, we were on the way for me to teach a Bible study with about 20 people in a living room, uh, single people. I was a singles pastor. And we were fighting all the way there. If you're around ministry, you realize that the devil will try to get you on the way to church uh, more than any other time. And uh, so everybody was awaiting the, the teacher to come, and he's fighting with his wife all the way to the Bible study. And so we're parking in front of the house, and everybody's in there, and, uh, and we're kind of going at it. We're just newly married, and the adjustment period is definitely happening. And, uh, and I blurted, and it was ugly. Now, this is just what you want your pastor to do, like right before he teaches a Bible study, right? And I went, as soon as I said what I said, I thought, oh, no, here it comes. It didn't come. And intrinsically, I knew what she was saying to me with silence is, hey, dude, you're going to have to own this and actually deal with this. I'm not giving you the out of, of coming back at you and just getting into a little war where you can prove in a court of law that I'm worse than you. Uh, but actually, this is your problem and you need to repent of it and you need to move forward. And I just sat there and I thought, here it comes. And it didn't come. And you know something? God really got a hold of my heart at that moment and I repented to God and then my tears just came. I, I just said, I am so Sorry. You know, bless their hearts, ladies. And, uh, and she forgave me. 
And she said, look, you go in and teach that Bible study. I'm with you. Do you know when a husband has a wife that he knows is with him and that will be patient with him and work with him, he can face most anything. You can be the biggest CEO in the world, but if your wife hates you, you're cut in half. This is, and, and not just in this type of thing, but in decisions as well, I have noticed that at key moments she has said, basically, okay, dude, your turn. <laughs> We've gotten to the end of our stuff, and it's time to make a decision. Uh, go ahead, man. And let me tell you, at that moment, that's scary. That's scary. But that is exactly what God wants wives to do and we learn that god has taken the ultimate responsibility for a marriage and the health of it and put it squarely on the shoulders of the husband you need to understand that guys he has put the primary responsibility of the health of your marriage on your shoulders and she is to work with you and she is to bring things to that relationship that you don't have to make it better but it is god is looking to you. Verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of his church, his body, and is himself its savior. The head of the wife, like Christ, is the head of the church. This is not up for grabs in the Bible. This is the way it is. And men, that, and look, I say to my, I'm saying it to myself. It's not a matter of whether you've been designated the head in your marriage, the, the, the only question that remains is what kind of a leader are you going to be? And ladies, what kind of a leader do you want to encourage him to be and come alongside him and work with him and lift him up to be? Now, I understand that feminists look upon this submission thing as, as like putting women under the power of men and, and potentially dangerous. And you know what? I get that. Because there are certain Christian men who are dangerous in the way they wield authority and take it and they act like a banana republic dictator in their house rather than a loving Christ-like servant leader. So I get that. But this text isn't about those people. And this text isn't about some straw man marriage that we can just squirm away from biblical submission that is in every Christian relationship and now especially and even more in marriage with the person, ladies, that you love more than any other person in the world that God has given you to be your spouse. So I get that. Uh, but the Bible intends actually for this to be a very freeing gift to a wife because the two are one flesh. We are considered one flesh by God and we'll get more into that next week and God's going to hold the husband responsible for that one flesh. And it encourages him to exercise leadership that God has given him when you actually encourage him to be the leader, when you actually lift him up, when you work with him, when you cooperate with him, when you grant him respect. And also, when you bring resources to that marriage that he does not have. And I guarantee you guys, if you've been married more than a week, you know that your wife brings resources to that marriage far beyond your ability. When, when, when it comes to 
uh, your ability to sense things and to really gain insight into people and relationships and all these things that meatheads aren't that great about, wives bring an unbelievable aspect of insight. They bring an unbelievable aspect of wisdom and each one of them have aptitudes and gifts and talents and they bring all that to the marriage as well. So if we're just having to be Mr. Banana Republic dictator and keep that woman in her place and we'll tell her what everything is, we'll tell her how to interpret everything, you're losing. And that marriage is losing. Uh, the idea is to bring resources that are not there under the, the leadership of the husband. Uh, Strong's Greek lexicon uh, talks about the word hupotasso or the word submit not as being a word for a doormat. But rather, there's two meanings of the word hupotasso, meaning submit. The first is, quote, a Greek military term meaning to arrange troop divisions in a military fashion under the command of a leader. So here's somebody under a leader who's actually able to bring better formations, more strength, more resources to the battle so you can win. Do you understand? That's not a doormat. Second meaning from the ancient world is a non-military meaning. It is a voluntary, quote, a voluntary attitude of cooperation, assuming responsibility, and carrying a burden on behalf of, the, of another person. You see, this isn't just, you know, cowering in fear. This is actually bringing the good stuff. Now, guys, it's, it's up to us to appreciate that and to invite that and to clear a way for our wives to actually bring these resources to a marriage. And we will... Uh, y'all got... You bring your husbands back next week. I promise you. I'll have them all fixed by the end of church. No, I'm teasing. But you know, sometimes men do not lead in a marriage. I know all of us at times do not lead in a marriage. And that can be uh, because, A, we're just not stepping up and we're not assuming our, the role that God's given us and that is wrong. And we need to say that it's wrong in this culture. And we need to teach what it means. But there's another reason that men don't step up sometimes in their marriage and lead. And the other reason is simply this, that they have to fight for the leadership every time they try to step up. And they get tired of fighting. And they withdraw. And, and, and she leads. You know, that's, that's the way it looks. Um, you know, you don't want a marriage where your husband has to defeat you to lead you. He's either going to have to defeat you or withdraw. That's not the marriage you want. You want to willingly bring that work with, that respect, that cooperation, that, that lifting up of him and, and bring those resources to the marriage. In a healthy marriage where normal mutual submission is happening, remember, that happens in marriage like every other relationship it's not just the wife who's submitting there's humility going both ways there's desire to work with going both ways but this special calling to enhance and 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 open up leadership for the man and and bring in the resources for the the marriage to be successful uh where this normal submission and humility uh is being given by a husband and a wife uh it just it just is this situation where you work together as husband and wife to kind of figure things out. And a lot of these, these ideas about submission kind of come down to who's going to be the final authority because a lot of questions about leadership really do 
uh, go to their logical conclusion, and it really is who's the final authority, and there has to be a leader. And you can say, no, 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 we're all just mutual leaders. No, no, that's not the way it works. There has to be a leader, and the Bible has said that person is the husband. And um, husbands, you know that in this mutual submission, most of the stuff in our lives, we just work it out, right? And we just talk. Everything's not like, I'm the head, you know? Ah, uh-uh. It's like, well, hey, what do you think we ought to do? And that could be, that question could, should, could come from a wife to a husband initially or a husband to a wife. And so we've got people mutually submissive who love one another and we're talking and, and sometimes the, the wife just has the idea and everybody re- right there realizes or the husband has the idea. Everything's not a power struggle in a Christian marriage because of mutual submission. Unless there's not mutual submission, then it, everything's a power struggle. Um, so we just kind of work it out together, right? I mean, you think about all the decisions that have to be made uh, in, in a marriage. Uh, that's just worked out in the context of this love and mutual submission. But there will come a time. Um, and, and by the way, men, God has given you an incredible gift in your wife. Um, y'all as a couple are, are smarter with her than just you. And y'all are more aware and more sensing of things around you. And then everything, as I said, that she brings particularly um, with her aptitudes and her gifts. There does come a time when you differ on a decision. And uh, when there's no resolution, and who is called to make that decision in those cases? The answer is the husband, when he is not off biblically. I mean, ladies, if the guy's just not being biblical, you need to point out what the Word of God says and get some help with a pastor or a counselor that can, that can help bring truth to a situation because untruth isn't going to help the situation. Um, but ladies, sometimes the best thing you can do is a wife. Maybe you say in your heart, I, I want my husband. I want to hold a leadership cap over him and let him grow up into that. I want him to learn to be an initiatory leader. I want him to learn to be this, this Christ-centered leader. Um, but, but, you know, sometimes I don't feel heard by him. Sometimes what you just need to do is just get out of the way and let God have a free shot at that guy. Because God's holding him responsible. Just get out of the way. Let God have a free shot at him. And what he'll do is like a big old tree. Timber! Crash! And when he's crashed on his face, Because that's exactly what we do when we're stupid enough as husbands not to solicit what our wives think and to bring that into the whole discussion. When he's fallen on his face, he will come back to you at some point and he'll say, "Now, now tell me again what you think. And he will, if you will lift him up, if you will give him that leadership, he will at some point Come back and want that input from you, and he will lift you up, and he will exalt you uh, because of that leadership. Um, But really, the question, I think, for the ladies this morning is simply this. Are you with him? Are you for him? Do you lift him up, give him respect beyond other people, in private and in public? And because uh, a husband who feels the loving support of his wife, there's not a lot that he, that he can't do under God. Finally, 
why would our wives want to keep submitting to us as husbands? I want to ask the men a question, and we'll finish with this. Um, As the church keeps on submitting to Christ, so also wives keep on submitting to husbands. Men, why do you, if you do, why do you want to keep on submitting to the Lord Jesus Christ? You know the answer. Because he loves you. Because he's given himself for you. Because he's got your best interest at heart. Because there's no one more patient. There's no one more slow to anger than him. There's no one who wants to direct you more than him. There's no one more passionate about who you are and who you're becoming than him. No, no. When we look at who Jesus is and his grace and his love and the fact that God is toward us, God initiated toward us, and God's love is relentless, and he has drawn us to himself, and you can't stop that love, which is where we'll get to next week with husbands. We want to submit to him. Now, I understand in our sinful flesh, sometimes we want what we want. But I think deep in our hearts, that's why we want to keep submitting to him. And and this is how submission works in marriage. Verse 24, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands and everything. And and I, I finish with this, ladies, because this isn't just about you. This is voluntary submission, just as Jesus voluntarily submitted because the, the husband is to be the head. William Hendrickson put it this way, the comparison with Christ as the head of the church reveals in what sense the husband is the wife's head. He is her head as being vitally interested in her welfare. He is her protector. His pattern is Christ. He is her head being vitally interested. His pattern, the husband, is Christ, who as head of the church uh, is its savior. And so basically the reason you want to keep submitting to Jesus and his great love and and his protection and, and all of this is the same reason that our wives would want to keep submitting to us. I want to ask you, ladies, do you want that in your life? Well, next week we're going to move into what the role of the husband is and what he brings to the relationship under the grace of God, this love that won't quit. But, but this week realize that if you will practice mutual submission in your Christian relationships and even more so lift your husband up, and and give him what he needs to be a leader. It just may be that the marriage you've always wanted is the one you already have. That God will begin to work, maybe even starting today, in some new and different ways. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that you would help us to live under you and under your grace. And God, would you bless the wives... Uh, who are hearing your truth this morning, that you would just give them that heart attitude of wanting to help their husbands, wanting to submit and respect and walk alongside, work with and cooperate, that, that we, the husbands, might grow up into a gracious 
headship. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.